Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Here in Chicago, one of our local news channels bills itself as Eyewitness News. And now, of course, all news channels like to claim that they are eyewitness news. They send reporters uh, all over the city and the surrounding area. They, whenever there's a, a newsworthy event, uh, they'll, they'll send a reporter and a news van or perhaps even a helicopter there to go and to get live shots uh, with that reporter uh, to give credibility to their reporting. Of course, whether or not that reporter was actually an eyewitness to the events that are taking place or that had just taken place themselves. In our text for today from 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter is seeking to impress on his readers that he really was there at the transfiguration of our Lord. That he isn't just reporting some second-hand or third-hand or, or further down the line hearsay. Peter says in verse 18, We were with him on the holy mountain. So he's being very clear that he is not talking about some figment of his imagination or a story that, that simply began as a rumor and, and gradually, eventually became to be accepted fact. No, this was a real event in the life of Jesus, one in which Peter, James, and John were privileged to participate and to witness. And so Peter is telling his readers, you can believe what I am telling you, because I experienced it. I was there. I saw and I heard everything. And now I want you to be a part of it together with me. Well, for us who live about 2,000 years after the events of our gospel reading took place, what does the transfiguration of Jesus really have to do with our lives today? What do we take with us uh, from these events described here in God's Word this morning as, as we leave this house of worship in, in just a, a short amount of time, as we go back out into the world, into our daily lives? Does this strange-sounding, fantastical event really mean anything to us? Or is it just a nice story that Peter and others recount for us? Peter is really telling us that we, too, are to be witnesses of the glory and majesty of Jesus, to testify about these events. We see the glory of Jesus through the eyes of his disciples who were there to witness it. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as Peter writes about in these verses, these disciples of Jesus who witnessed those events faithfully recorded those words and deeds of Jesus. They describe the events all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' earthly life at the, the manger in Bethlehem. And then later on along the dusty pathways of Judea and Samaria and Galilee. And finally on the way of the cross and of the tomb. They record Jesus' words of love and care, concern, and of power as he proclaimed these words of the kingdom of God to his hearers. Jesus' own disciples who were eyewitnesses of these events report for us his healing, his caring touch, his concern, his care for the people of his day and of our day as well. They announced that Jesus was raised from the dead as our living Savior and Lord. 
And so now we have come to be eyewitnesses of the glory and majesty of Jesus. We have heard again and again the beautiful account of his life and his death and his resurrection. And through this holy word of God, by the power of God's Holy Spirit working in our hearts, we too, with eyes of faith, behold him as our Lord and God. It's as we come into contact with the eyewitness accounts of the work of Jesus that we grow to know him and that he becomes very real and very meaningful to us in our lives. He, come, he comes into our lives at, at those moments of despair, of tribulation, of frustration. He holds again before our sight his nail-scarred hands. He lifts us up in his loving arms. And he bears us onward and upward, just as he did for those around him who were sick and suffering and helpless and hopeless during his lifetime on earth. And so it's then that the world around us begins to see the glory and love of God through us and through our testimony. The picture that the Apostle Paul presents in the New Testament in all of his letters indicates that the church, believers in Jesus, are always to be proclaiming and revealing and showing the works and the love of Jesus through the words and deeds of those who follow Jesus. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You and I also are called to show the same kind of love that Jesus had for us. Not that we can give our life for the sins of others to save the soul of others, but to reflect that same selfless self-sacrificing love that Jesus had. That is the church as it ought to be, proclaiming the good news of forgiveness through Jesus, reaching out and touching the lives of people who are hurting, caring for those who are poor, who are desolate, who are lost and wandering. This is the church, all of us believers in Jesus, as we proclaim the gospel, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, Visit the sick and imprisoned so that the glory and love of Jesus might be reflected through us, his people. So the world can indeed still see the glory of Jesus as it sees the church at work in God's world. People trusting in the promise of forgiveness and eternal life through their Lord and Savior, genuinely caring and loving, looking not only to their own interests but also to the interests of others. Yes, it's a dim glory at, time that, at times that we reflect, faltering, failing, not always clear and brilliant and beautiful. All too often, our own sins and our self-centeredness gets in the way. Our own selfishness and our egocentricity demand the limelight so very often. At times, sadly, Jesus is scarcely seen in his church, among his people. But he is still here, nevertheless. 
And when the church does what it is called to do, then the glory of Jesus is made known in the world. Then people are called to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the word of God that the church proclaims. Then people come and see and trust in Jesus as their Savior and as the Lord of the universe. Peter reports that he and James and John not only saw the transfiguration of Jesus, but also heard the voice of God the Father speaking from that cloud of the glory of God. In verse 17, Peter writes, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. They heard that voice of God. They heard his message of a love so deep and so vast that it moved God the Father to send his only begotten Son into this sin-filled world. They heard the message of Jesus, the message of our Good Shepherd, the message of the Father who dearly loves the sons and daughters that he created, the message of the kingdom that God desires to set up in the hearts and lives of people. They were stirred with this message of peace and power this message of love and concern. They heard the voice of God focusing on Jesus, pointing to Jesus as God's great covenant for the sins of the world. They heard the voice of God the Father testifying that he accepts the work of his son Jesus for salvation. And because the Father accepted his son and the work that his son came to carry out, we know we can be certain that everything that is needed to be done for us and for, for the whole world's salvation is an accomplished fact. As Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. We know for certain that nothing else needs to be done in order to reconcile us, to restore us to a harmonious relationship with our Heavenly Father. This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased, the Father said. Peter, James, and John heard that message, and then they went and proclaimed what they had heard and seen to their dying day. And this also is what we have heard. This is the message also that we now proclaim, that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again so that we may live with him forever. God accepted his son and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. He was well pleased with him. And so through him he has reconciled the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. Now we hear God the Father speak to us also through his word, declaring us to be acceptable in his sight. He has made us holy and righteous through Jesus our Savior. He tells us, that we are saved by his grace, his free and abounding love, not conditioned on anything that we have to do first to earn that love and salvation. He reminds us that we are saved only through the cross of Jesus. And in our baptism, we hear him say to each one of us, just as he said of his own son, this is my son, my daughter, whom I love, with him, with her, I am well pleased. Does that sound strange to you? Does that sound impossible to you? As we look at our own lives, at, at our own actions, our own thoughts, we can't help but marvel at a God who would call us 
abject sinners, his own beloved children, and say that he is well pleased with us. Unfathomable to us, it's beyond our comprehension, until God reminds us that he sees us through the blood of his son Jesus. That he sees us as clothed in a robe of the righteousness of Jesus. He sees us through that lens of the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. He sees us as people who have been freed from sin and and self-centeredness and who are claimed by Jesus as his alone. We have heard through our baptism, through the word of God that, that we have heard and learned, and through the Lord's Supper of the body and blood of Jesus that we receive for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith, we have heard again and again through these means of grace, that we are the beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And so now it follows that others hear through our words. We are ear witnesses, so to speak, of the majesty of God, the glory of God, and the wonderful, forgiving love of God. And so now God sends us out into the world to proclaim this to other people, just as Peter and James and John did to their hearers and and their readers. We have heard this message of God's love, and we also want to share it with the people in our lives. We want to tell them, no matter where we find them or, or how we might be related to them, we want to say, you also can be God's children. It was also for you that Jesus died on the cross. God has forgiven and accepted you and all people. And I also want you to know and to believe that this new life is yours also through Jesus. Remember later on in the life of Peter, after these events, after he uh, overcame his his weakness and his fear, his doubting that Jesus and and God would, would protect him and bless him, he denied Jesus three times when Jesus was on trial uh, before the Sanhedrin, shortly before he was crucified. But later on, after Peter had seen the resurrected Jesus and after Jesus had graciously restored Peter to a a position of ministry and service to bring this message of love and salvation to God's people, then sometime later, when Peter was brought on trial before that same ruling council of the Jewish elders, the Sanhedrin, that same council who had sentenced Jesus to death, who had brought him before the Roman governor to be crucified. Peter and the other disciples were brought forward and threatened with that same threat of torture and death, not to continue preaching in the name of Jesus. Peter boldly testified, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard about a witness in a court case, that the witness has no choice but to testify. He or she must bear witness to what they have seen or heard. We are asked daily to give a report of many things that we have seen and heard to the world around us, and in so many instances we do so without a second thought. But the most vital things that you and I have to pass on to others is the message that we have heard from our God. The message of Jesus, through whom we have access to the throne room of our Heavenly Father by His grace. 
The message that the Father has reconciled the whole world to himself through his Son, Jesus. That message must indeed go out to the ends of the world through us. Through the eyes of faith. You and I are right smack dab in the middle of those events of the transfiguration that we read about in our gospel reading. We have seen Jesus glorified, risen, and alive and active in our world. We beheld him and all that he came to accomplish for our salvation. Just as Jesus and those disciples went back down from the mountain to to continue on with a mission that lay before them, so you and I now soon go forth out from this house of worship back into the world and into the, the roles and responsibilities in our lives that God has placed us. The shops and the stores, the offices and the homes and the classrooms and the workplaces of the world. We go as people whose eyes have seen the King and whose ears have heard the sweet message of our salvation. We go as eye and ear witnesses of the God who now sends us out into his world. Through us, the great and powerful message of God's love is to reach out into every corner of this earth. May God the Holy Spirit empower you during this coming week and in in the weeks ahead to be a bold witness of your Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen.